get me. From Studio A in Arcata, behind the Redwood Curtain, it's time for... Suckatash. Suckatash Clips, the original comedy soundcast featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcasts. And here's your host from up the coast, practically unknown outside of comedy soundcasting, comedy soundcast soundcaster, Tyson Saner. Saluton, estes me, Tyson Saner, your host, and that means you are my parasite. And we have a symbiotic relationship, don't we? Yep, that sounds as stupid out loud as it looks on paper, or on the screen of a computer, or device. It's early in the morning at the moment as I'm writing this, and I wonder how many other soundcasters are working on their soundcasts right now instead of sleeping, or fishing, or doing a paper route. If those things still exist, I know I had a few of them back in the day. And is it pronounced to rhyme with gout or boot? It's probably either, depending on where you're from and what you grew up hearing. Also, is either pronounced to rhyme with breather or hi there? I know how I say it. I imagine the same scenario applies as before with the word root. Or route. Either or either way, your root or route has led you here to us at Suckatash, the comedy soundcast soundcast. And I am grateful for that. Welcome. I'm sorry this episode was a bit late. I usually aim for release on Fridays, but I only have one to three nights per week I can work on the show, and last week we had a power outage inflicted on us by Pacific Gas and Electric, or PG&E, as we say out here. Yes, I said inflicted, because it was purposely done by the company to help prevent fires during a windstorm we were having in California. There are folks who are probably still without power five days on from the event, and I consider myself fortunate that it was only slightly more than 24 hours with no power in my proverbial neck of the woods. Anyway, I've managed to put together some semblance of a show for you. And in this episode, I've got clips from Stuff You Should Know, Mostly Swingin', Two Old Queens, The Margaret Show, How Did This Get Played, and Athletico Mints. I've also got selective reading from our 100% fake sponsor with a 100% real website that is trumpoetry.com and a special presentation of Burst O'Durst from political humorist and raging moderate Will Durst. So, without further yammering from me, let's get to the content created by people far more talented than I. You know, I did a little digging and found that Will Durst has been contributing his Burst O'Durst to Succotash the Comedy Soundcast Soundcast since episode 7, which premiered on July 19th of 2011 and was still called Succotash the Comedy Podcast Podcast. I think that makes his burst the longest-running feature on the program, now that Henderson's Pants hasn't been featured in more than a few episodes. He contributes every week, pretty much, without fail. I find that sort of dedication to craft admirable. Unfortunately, his bursts have been piling up as the weeks go by and Succotash episodes are published further apart, which is totally on me. So, this week, I've got a segment called Block O'Durst, which, in this current iteration, is five bursts in a row. Because why should you not get to hear the burst because of my inability to put out a show with regularity? It's a rhetorical question. Beginning with one that I received on a Sunday, July 14th in 2019. This one, actually, I should have played this uh, between a couple of the ones from last show, but uh, somehow I skipped over it in my, my mail bo- bag box, in my inbox. Somehow I skipped over it in my inbox. So, here he is. It's called The Greenwashing of the White House in which our intrepid correspondent bellows politely over the greenwashing of the White House concerning the red versus the blue. Hey guys, 
Will Durst here with a few choice words concerning the speech Donald Trump gave claiming his administration has done more for the environment than any other presidency. No, 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 no. This is crazy talk and cannot be allowed to continue. We have passed through the looking glass, people. Stop this man before he hurts himself and or us. The 45th president of the United States has been the single worst thing to happen to this planet's climate since an asteroid that killed all the dinosaurs 65 million years ago. He is to Mother Nature what alligators are to nests of baby ducks. This is the man who pulled us out of the Paris Accords, stripped scientific climate data from government websites, rolled back over 80 Obama-era environmental regulations, and called climate change nothing but a Chinese hoax. His first director of the Environmental Protection Agency was an oil lobbyist, and the new guy was a coal lobbyist. You can't make stuff up like this. It's the Environmental Protection Agency, not the Environmental Pillage and Plunder Agency. If it meant doing his buddies in the fossil fuel industry a favor, he would gladly open up drilling in the Arctic, in Central Park, and on his daughter's forehead. Well, Tiffany, anyway. Donald Trump promoting the environment is like an avalanche petitioning for trees. Like the demon barber of Fleet Street using customer testimonials. Like William Barr talking about justice. And why the 180-degree vertebrae snapping churn with this attempted greenwashing of the White House? Very simple. Red versus blue. It's all about the election. Someone must have told the president that the kids consider the environment a major issue and his regressive policies and ludicrous denials and stubborn refutation of science may have electoral consequences come next November. Mm-hmm. My God, imagine that. Actual consequences. Nah, never gonna happen. For Succotash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast, I'm Will Durst. Next burst, from August 9th, 2019, Soft Tissue Racist, in which our intrepid correspondent jumps into the gun fray while still attempting to avoid turning into collateral damage. Hey guys, Will Durst here with a few choice words about what a lousy summer it's been. We've been so busy sending our thoughts and prayers to Gilroy and El Paso and Dayton and even Toledo, there's hardly been any time for ice cream. A horrific spate of mass shootings has the country recoiling from any loud noise. And yes, that includes the strident denials of Donald Trump that his vitriolic rhetoric has anything to do with riling up the racist element often referred to as his base. In response, the president said, I don't think my rhetoric is racist at all. As a matter of fact, I think my rhetoric brings people together. And he's right. It has proven to be quite effective in bringing white supremacists together with their weapons. Trump went on to blame video games and the internet and all sorts of things, somehow neglecting to mention the word guns ever at all. He claims the only answer to this spray of terror is his desperately needed immigration reform. He did, under intense pressure from vulnerable GOP congressional candidates, manage to mumble something about racism being bad. Of course, it would have been easier to understand if he had taken off his hood. 
The question is, how many people heard Donald Trump talking about hatred and mental illness being responsible for the madness and then screamed at the television, you, that's you, you're talking about you. He continues to claim that he doesn't have a racist bone in his body, so it must all be in his soft tissue, and that's a lot of soft tissue. Can't wait for the upcoming announcement by the president that there is no room in his administration for racists because all the slots have been filled by his family. For Succotash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast, I'm Will Durst. Next up, from August 16th, 2019, Beat the Heat, in which our intrepid correspondent rouses from his wilted state to pound out a few words to curse the heat and urge it to stop. Hey, guys. Will Durst here with a few choice words about the heat. Because guess what? It's hot out there. And not just your normal summer hot. We're talking exponential factor hot. Record-breaking hot. As a matter of fact, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration declared that July 2019 was the hottest month recorded in the history of ever. We'll ignore the question of whether humans are responsible for heating up the globe like a test tube on a Bunsen burner with the gas spigot turned up full. Yes! Along with other questions, such as, does the burning of fossil fuels bear any responsibility? You bet! Rather, we'll focus on the practical aspects of surviving these thermal extremes to augment our local television coverage of how to survive the heat wave. Ah, come on, their advice is always earth-shatteringly predictable. Stay indoors, don't exert yourself, wear light-colored clothing, drink plenty of liquids. I mean, they might as well caution you to eat food, breathe air, walk upright. Because we here at Dursko care. Here's a couple of novel ideas on how you can stay cool while others swelter. With the top 10 ways to beat the heat in the hottest summer ever. Number 10. Take a trip to the southern part of South America. It's winter there. Number 9. Put your head in the freezer. No, really, do that. Number 8. Subsist entirely on ice cream. Number 7. Hang out in the shady parts of town. Number 6. Ice cubes in your underwear. Scoff if you must, but it works. Number five, meditate. Think cool thoughts. A gin and tonic might help. Number four, eat frozen foods while still frozen. Number three, sit in a sauna for ten minutes every hour. Then the sultry will seem cool. Number two, book a room in a hotel with a pool. Crank up the air. And the number one way to beat the heat in the hottest summer ever Two words, champagne popsicles. For Succotash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast, I'm Will Durst. And then we have from August 29th, 2019, Labor Day 19, in which our intrepid correspondent shows a little love for the wallflower of holidays. Hey guys, Will Durst here to say, are you kidding me? Labor Day? Already? How the hell did that happen? Didn't we just scrape down the Weber for the first summer barbecue on Memorial Day? Wasn't that like a week ago? No matter. Time to celebrate. The kids are back at school, and every NFL team is dreaming of the playoffs. So go out and party like we're getting a day off of work in order to celebrate what it is that we do for a living. Because that's what this day is really about. Yeah, Labor Day is also the seasonal marker between summer and autumn. When we stow the swimsuits and flip-flops and pull out the parkas and galoshes, 
Storms go up, screens come down. The bright yen gives way to the dark yang. And as a holiday, it gets no respect, like a gym teacher substituting for an advanced honors biology class or an artichoke at a cookout. The name is part of the problem. Labor Day. Kind of a bummer when you think about it. After all, hard labor is a punishment, and any woman who has ever gone through childbirth will not wax ecstatic either. So unsexy, it should be wearing support hose. The people at Hallmark will never make a penny off the first Monday in September. But don't dismiss it. This holiday is a gift for everyone. From the masters of the stock market to the stock clerks at the corner market. Just one day off to relax. To sleep late and maybe meet up with friends and family for one last warm weather blowout. And then again, maybe not. Do it up good or do nothing. Because this holiday is about the true American heroes. The ones who keep democracy alive and working and growing and stable. Who keep their heads down and continue to move forward trying to carve out a living in this crazy world. You know, you and me. Okay, okay, mostly you. Happy Labor Day, everybody. For Succotash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast, I'm Will Durst. And in the final burst, from September 5th, 2019, how they spent their summer vacation in which our intrepid correspondent reports back on the various goings-on amidst our nation's movers and shakers over the summer. Hey guys, Will Durst here warning you to be on the alert starting the second week of September because that's when the 116th Congress reconvenes from their summer recess. Hopefully their vacations refreshed them for the arduous 24 days of work scheduled between now and Thanksgiving. And through the combination of research grants and educated guesses, we here at Dursco were able to determine the recreational activities engaged in by America's movers and shakers these past couple of months and are proud to present them here now. How they spent their summer vacations. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell learned another language. Unfortunately, it wasn't one whose vocabulary includes the word compromise. Vice President Joe Biden went to Switzerland for a charisma implant, but his system rejected it, and the donor died. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders held a series of mock debates with himself and lost every one. Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren binge-watched all eight seasons of Game of Thrones and didn't learn a thing. President Donald Trump managed to bring his golf handicap below his body temperature for the first time since contracting malaria. Not Melania, malaria. Vice President Mike Pence spent most of his time being seen reading the Bible to his wife. Beto O'Rourke spent three weeks in physical therapy learning to talk with his hands stapled to the outside of his thighs. Wisconsin Congressman James Sensenbrenner bought a ticket on the clue train. Donald Trump Jr. was sent on a summer-long snipe hunt by the White House staff. Mayor Pete Buttigieg baked a series of casseroles for the South Bend, Indiana Police Lodge's annual autumn potluck dinner. And finally, Melania, not malaria, Melania Trump wandered the Mediterranean scoping out possible new daddies for Baron. For Succotash, the comedy soundcast, soundcast, I'm Will Durst. Now you can reach Will Durst at W-I-L-L-D-U-R-S-T on Twitter. Or you can go to willdurst.com for the Will Durst Journal, which is comedy for people who read or know someone who does. And by the way, 
you can go to www.willandwilly.com for the Will and Willie Show, which is Will Durst and Mayor Willie Brown. And it's www.willandwillie.com. And now for the first clip that I've nailed down, from a little soundcast called Stuff You Should Know. It's from Stuff Media, and it's hosted by Josh Clark and Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Its show description reads, If you've ever wanted to know about Champagne, Satanism, the Stonewall Uprising, Chaos Theory, LSD, El Nino, True Crime, and Rosa Parks, then look no further. Josh and Chuck have you covered. So the clip is from the episode from September 5th, 2019, called What's the Deal with MSG? And its episode description says, MSG got a bad rap in the 70s and 80s. But what is it exactly, and how bad is it for you? The answer to those questions lie within. Yeah, so I chose this clip because um, all my life I've heard that MSG was bad, almost all of it, actually, in about, oh, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago, I saw a program that dispelled the, it was meant to dispel the myths of MSG. It was uh, hosted by uh, Ted from Queer Eye for the Straight Guy and also of uh, Chopped on the Food Channel. And, uh, you know, it made a lot of sense. It did a lot of the history on it, and I can't remember any of it, but I, I'm sure that a lot of it was touched on in in this uh, podcast, the ideas that were put forth. But um, it's always bugged me that uh, the people think it's bad for you if it's not. And if it is bad for you, then I guess Alex Jones is right. But eh, mm. So, Chuck, let me ask you, mm-hmm. have you ever had nacho cheese Doritos? Uh, is that the original Dorito? Uh, I don't know. I think it's possible taco flavor is the original. But for you and me as children of the 70s, 80s, I would say nacho cheese is the first one we probably ever ate. The red bag. Sure. I'm a Cool okay. Ranch guy. I like it too. Actually, I like all Doritos. I don't really discriminate. <laughs> so you have had nacho cheese Doritos. <laughs> yes. Have you ever had soy sauce? Oh, I'm I'm a big soy guy. I okay. I do not follow the sushi uh what they say how to eat sushi. I mm-hmm. drown it. Do you I I still use soy sauce even though every time I <laughs> there's a weird little voice in my head that's like you're not supposed to do that. That and voice say, is probably Yumi sitting next to you. <laughs> I say no it's really not cuz she uses a little bit too, but I, I don't know it is. It's not male, it's not female, it's just some weird disembodied voice and I say to heck with you voice. I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. Um, what about Magi sauce? Have you ever had that? Ooh, I don't think so. Oh, I'll bet you have somewhere. It's a kind of like a tall, slender brown bottle with a yellow label. Magi, M-A-G-G-I. I think I can picture it. Okay, I'll bet you've had it. Anyway, if you've had all three of those or any one of those, what about Vegemite? <laughs> oh, God, no. Okay, I've had Vegemite. I'm not crazy for it, but I, we're not here to yuck anyone's yum, right? Well, I got, I got, I'm going to throw one in because I see what you're doing now. Okay. Can I throw one in there? Sure. Have you ever used accent? That is A C, uh, a little accent agu, I believe. Sure. C E N T. That spice. I don't. I don't know if I have. I know exactly what it is because I'm just so familiar with grocery stores. But I don't know if I've ever had it. <laughs> You're so familiar with grocery stores. So familiar. It's one of your talents. I've got another one for you. You know Japanese mayonnaise, the QP doll mayonnaise? I have had that. Okay. We could do this all day. What about oysters? You ever had oysters? <laughs> I love oysters. Okay. Well, Chuck, listen. You have had MSG, monosodium glutamate, if you've eaten any one or all of those things. That's right. I love monosodium glutamate, 
also known as MSG. And the world does too. The world just doesn't know it because MSG, those three little words, those three little letters, have <laughs> such a bad reputation, yeah. especially in the West, especially in America, that food manufacturers have come to basically bend over backwards to create new processes for creating MSG so that they can insert them into foods without having to say that there's MSG in the food, even though there's very much MSG in the food, but they know that a lot of Americans won't eat that food if they see that there's MSG in there. That's right. And we will get to this in more detail, but it was such a bad thing at one point, mm-hmm. especially in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Like I remember growing up and people talking about MSG in Chinese restaurants. <clears throat> and the whole time they were talking smack about Chinese restaurants, a lot of American families were just dumping that stuff all over their food via that little accent spice bottle. Yeah, accent, any kind of processed food that has any sort of salty or savory kind of flavor to it. Like, it's everywhere. It's in grape juice. It appears everywhere, naturally and added. Because grape juice, what you want is a meaty, salty aftertaste. <laughs> right. <laughs> Swishing the grape juice around your mouth, you're like, yeah, it's got a real oystery quality to it. Oh, I God. love it. Are they natural in oysters? Is that the deal? Yeah, oysters, Are clams. They, <laughs> they MSG. Yeah, I'm MSGs. calling them a they, like the little trio of... <laughs> sure. Those three letters. Yeah. So the, the point is, is that people are terrified of MSG or really can't stand it. They say maybe it, it gives them all sorts of physical maladies. Perhaps they think it can, can lead to developmental disorders. And yet at the same time, they consume M- MSG every day without realizing it and without being affected by it. So it's entirely possible, and like you said, we'll talk about this much more in depth later, that the fear of MSG is a totally unfounded scientific panic that is a, a, a basically a nocebo reaction mm-hmm. to something that appears to be basically harmless to almost everybody who consumes it. So you can reach out to Josh Clark at Josh Um Clark, but that is J-O-S-H underscore U-M underscore C-L-A-R-K. You can reach out to Charles W. Chuck Bryant at Movie Crush Pod, which is at M-O-V-I-E-C-R-U-S-H-P-O-D. And you can reach out to the show at capital S, capital Y, capital S, capital K, capital P, O-D-C-A-S-T. That is S-Y-S-K podcast. And you can Google them, find them on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, places like that. Next up, Mostly Swinging. It is hosted by Don Most and Ethan Dettenmeyer. And there really isn't a description for this show on its page. But from listening to the first episode, I can say that jazz and jazz standards are discussed and recordings of performances of jazz standards are played in the episode. The first song played as a segment in the first episode is Blue Skies by Irving Berlin, sung by Don Most, who has love music that swings from a very young age and whose album of music, also titled Mostly Swinging, can be found on iTunes. Ethan Dettenmeyer of Combat Radio, who founded BrigadeRadio1.org, is the co-host of this episode. I have not listened to the next episodes of Mostly Swinging, so I cannot report as to whether or not Ethan is the regular co-host. That and the aforementioned lack of description on the page. So this clip is from Episode 1. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the Brigade Radio 1 studios in beautiful Burbank, California, it's time for Mostly Swinging with your favorite... Don Most. Welcome, Don. Thank you, Ethan. What a pleasure to 
be here for my first show. Thank you for the introduction. As soon as I get the hang of this, uh, maybe I'll be doing my own intro, but I wanted you here for our first show, and oh, thank you. It's a privilege to be here. It's the premiere show of Mostly Swingin'. You know, we're big fans of yours, as I would say. Anyone with any kind of musical taste would be, and <laughs> it's going to be exciting for us because not only are you a fantastic musician and people know you as your acting work, but your musical chops are world-renowned. So this is a good opportunity to introduce your music, but also the music that inspired generations to a whole new audience. So this is, yeah. this is our kind of show, buddy. Uh, so great to hear that, and thank you for the opportunity, because, yes, this music is so incredible. It's what I grew up loving from the time I was very young. And, um, and you know, for a while it had kind of, I don't want to say disappeared, but it, it had a falling off. Um, when I was doing Happy Days in the 70s and 80s, um, and I would have loved to have done this then. And it was very difficult because this music, I don't know, I guess because the rock th- thing had, there was such a renaissance with rock and roll in the 60s and, and disco. And, and so this music was looked on as a little bit like, oh, well, that's your parents' music. And you couldn't be, you know, you couldn't be associated with that. But then thankfully, I mean, you know, something that th- these songs are standards as I will say in my show, for a reason, because they stand the test of time. And, uh, and that's why people came back to it. And, and I have to, uh, we owe a lot of gratitude to people like, you know, Diana Krall and, and Harry Connick and, and, and the people who kind of brought it back, you know, um, and so many others, uh, Buble, who, of course, who's doing it, who's doing it a lot now. Um, even Rod Stewart has five or six albums of standards out. Um, and there's a reason for it because the, the, the songs were so, so wonderful uh, in terms of their melody and the, and the sophistication and wit and humor of the lyrics. Um, and, and now I'm loving the fact that all generations are, are coming back to this music, young and old. Why do you think, uh, I just, I was trying to give some thought as to why do you think it comes and goes? Because when you hear this music or you hear Sinatra or Dean Martin, it's hard to believe that there was ever a time it was out of style with some people because it's so awesome. Now, do you think it's maybe because the trends of rock and roll come at us kind of fast and furious and then it's like a movie like, say, Goodfellas that opens the first quarter of the movie with this kind of music right. and people start to remember, like, that is good music. I mean, what is it? Yeah, I, well, I think I think that's, you nailed it. Um, and what I was alluding to earlier with, you know, when the in the '60s, when it was a real cultural revolution, so you know, you I grew up. You know, I was a teenager. I was in high school in the late '60s, and you know, so you you wanted to sort of separate yourself from the previous generation and and their values, or because now it was the counterculture. So anything that was associated with them, you were rebelling against. So that's why this, the music reflected that. Um, I think it took a while, and like you said, certain movies that would have a big impact uh, on the general population, and then it was like, oh, well, that's kind of cool, because, you know, Scorsese used it in Goodfellas, and and now, and now so and then it was in Swingers. I remember that movie Swingers with John Favreau and Vince Vaughn, and they were, they were going to these places listening to the swing music, you know? You know, it's, it is funny, because you make it out to be like, it is kind of an anti-establishment move, like, I can't like what my dad likes. I can't right. listen to his, get into his old Sinatra records, but right. it is funny, I'm sure... 
now that I think about it, in my days at Warner Brothers and feature development, I, I'm every there. It would have been impossible for a music su- supervisor based on that studio lot to do a movie about Vegas without pulling Sinatra out for the director to hear it. <laughs> right. I just I, I, right. I almost think that you could get your fingers cut off if right. you tried that. Like, right. well, we're not going to do any Sinatra, Dean Martin. It'd be like it'd be like a crime against humanity. Yeah. Way, you know. Absolutely. Um, yeah, well, I, I'm so thrilled that I'm getting – see, I started out uh, – you know this because I did your show a while ago, but um, people know me from Happy Days and other acting roles. But I started out singing when I was very young. I was 15 years old singing in the Catskill Mountains where a, a Rat Pack kind of – you'd see that kind of stuff up there in the Borscht Belt, all those hotels. And I was doing it when I was 15, and, and that's what – I you know I I was a, a huge fan of of Sinatra and and Dino and Nat King Cole and my big main guy was Darren I was a huge Bobby Darren fan who um I actually saw at the Copacabana in New York when I was 18 years old and uh never forget that so I I decided uh to go back to doing this when this music started coming back into favor and it was like hey if I'm ever going to do it I better do it now cuz uh I'm not 20 years old anymore, and but this seems to be the perfect time for me. So I'm doing shows, you know, all around the country. Have a CD out now called "The Most Mostly Swinging," and uh, with big band, uh, great arrangements, and, and 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 the music is just so infectious. And and I, I I'm really excited about the chance to talk about it and and play some of it. Uh, as in addition, all my my influences, the people that that I grew up loving and, and who influenced uh, the music I'm doing now. You can reach out to Don Most on Twitter at Most underscore Don, that is M-O-S-T underscore D-O-N. You can reach out to Ethan Dettenmeyer at Combat Radio, that is capital C-O-M-B-A-T, capital R-A-D-I-O. And you can find BrigadeRadio1.org, where all these shows can be found, many, many, many shows, uh, at www.brigaderadioone.org. And coming in at number three, it's Two Old Queens by John Flynn and Mark Rennie. The show description reads, they're old, they're queens, there's two of them. It's Two Old Queens. Join Mark Rennie and John Flynn as they search for the gayest movie ever made. Using a Byzantine raking system, their own hard opinions, and some inevitable controversies from a stacked lineup of guests to come. This clip is from September 18th, 2019. It's Beetlejuice with Nicole Thurman. The episode description reads, The delightful Nicole Thurman from Black Lady Sketch Show, Shrill, and The Opposition pops in to talk Tim Burton's Beetlejuice and comes up with one of our greatest scoring categories yet. In this clip, the group discusses their hunt for, quote, the gayest movie ever, unquote, and the, quote, top five, unquote, they've come up with so far. Now, Nicole, as you may or may not know, uh-huh. we are hunting for the gayest movie ever. Really? And we have an elaborate scoring system. <laughs> I didn't realize this had to be. You're looking for the one, the biggest one. We're gayest. looking for the biggest. I mean, okay. Yeah. So we have a very elaborate scoring system. It's insane. Uh, it gets crazier every week. But um, so you were hoping maybe Beetlejuice will be the gayest Who movie knows? ever. Yeah. Turn out being the gayest movie. I so, thought it was pretty gay. <laughs> it's pretty gay. Well, I was watching it with those like lie. through that lens, and I was like, okay, that's gay. It's yeah. pretty gay. There's a lot. 
<laughs> um, so I'll go through the top five just to okay. give you a sense of where, where we're, we're at. at right and now. And this is the percentage okay. of total possible points because the number of points gets bigger every week because uh-huh. you will be adding a scoring category as you see. Okay. As you see, as you as hear, you see, as, you, as you will know. <laughs> as you may know. Okay. <laughs> okay. Number four, coming in, our fifth gayest movie, Toy Soldiers. Anybody remember Toy Soldiers? Is that with Phil Herman? No. No. no, no, no. Small Soldiers. That's Jingle All the Way. Maybe oh, okay, Small Soldiers. I thought they just came up with that out of nowhere. <laughs> Toy Soldiers, what's that one? Uh, Sean Aston, military Sean boy. It's, it's basically Die Hard, but in like a mili- all boys military school. Oh, okay. You think it'd be That's gayer? It's only a forty-one point ten percent. Oh, okay. not very good. Number four, okay. the kids are all right. Actual oh, yeah. gay movie. That's a very yes. gay movie. No gay real people though. Forty-five percent. Suspiria, twenenty eighteen. Speaking of witches, forty-five point ninety-three percent. That movie had too many bones cracking for me. I was Lots like, this is too much. Lots Lots bones. Bones. Oh my god! Yeah. I was like, this is too many bones. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You must hate barbecue. It's all bones. <laughs> <laughs> I do actually. Nine to five. Number two, fifty-eight point ninety-four percent. Okay. And then our number one gayest movie is The Muppets Take Manhattan, sixty-six point seventeen percent. And that's still only a D. That's still only a D. Our really? best movie is a D. Mm-hmm. All right. So our first category is homoeroticism. So okay. on a scale of one to a hundred, we're all oh. going to p- give a guess. Okay. And then scale it'll be the average of the th- three of us. Okay. So how homoerotic would you say? How homoerotic? Is? I don't think it's very homoerotic. I feel yeah. like Beetlejuice was super pervy towards women. Absolutely. Yes, and I don't remember any, like, I remember him jumping on that guy's back, and he was like, hey, Otho? round boy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, like yeah. That. yeah. That's that not like homoerotic. That's not no. really homoerotic. It was more like bullying. That's bullying. Like, <laughs> he was a bully. It's a fine line. Beetle bully, more like. Um, so I would say pretty low. What, can I just, should I say any percent? I should say, like, I'll say, like, 30% just to give it 30? something. Okay. But that's going like to give very, it a 30. Yeah, 30. very low. Yeah. How homoerotic like what would be homoerotic I mean yeah. like Alec Baldwin sort of although I think his casting is weird he apparently said that his he doesn't like his performance in this movie at really? all um, I guess it's hard to buy him as like a Connecticut guy into like he does seem home. like when you think about it he does seem like a weird casting choice it's actually funny because I was I started to watch it again this morning just for funsies while uh-huh. I was getting ready and they were I noticed in the first scene when they're kind of kissing this is like not related but when they're kissing Gina Davis puts her hand on him in a way that says like we are friends but we are forced to kiss <laughs> and I was like that's a weird choice like she's really yeah. not even she kind of so it's like you can kind of see he's a little out of place in that yeah and I also like I think Gina Davis is a really good actress but I I don't think she does like romance well, like yeah. I think there's something about that that doesn't. Did you ever see The Fly? I did oh, not did see The Fly. Uh, did she Her do it well? Jeff Goldblum. Well, that's oh, what, yeah. I mean, that's like Goldblum. two aliens. You know what I mean? <laughs> like in a way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think homoeroticism. It's really, it's really all on Baldwin's shoulders. I mm-hmm. think of this one because okay. it's not going to be not Jeffrey Jones unless you're a young boy. Which one's Jeffrey Jones? He's the like dad. The, the dad of the look. Like, Winona Ryder's stepdad. I always I think, think of him as Ed Rooney, so I can't yes. think of what his real name is. Well, now you can always think of him as a convicted pedophile. Oh, fun. He's in prison. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, look yeah. at the face. I could have seen it. Like, okay. Not surprising at wow, all. That's no. unfortunate. <laughs> it truly is. Yeah. Open um, the jails. So, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll give it. I'll probably give it a twenty percent. Twenty percent. Twenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think that. What is? There's nothing homo. There's nothing. I don't think there's nothing yeah. in here to make oh, you yeah. horny. I guess it's Alec Baldwin. His pants at some points when he's running out of a room. Sure. You get a little like, oh, there's some nice cheeks. Yeah, yeah, well, there's also that that uh, that like witch doctor. Like at the very end, he's sort of. 
of like, oh yeah, he like doesn't have a shirt on. It's not too the bad. one that sprinkles and then yeah, he yeah, sprinkles yeah. stuff sprinkles on his, his head. head. Yeah. So head. maybe there's something there. I mean, we are digging. We are digging. We are digging. Yeah, there's that's, really not a lot in that movie. We're on. I'm giving it a 15. Average of 21.67. How did you? Are you have a computer? Oh, I got an Excel sheet right there. Oh my god, you have a spreadsheet. I just share screenshots of this insane. You really should. It's kind of. It makes you look totally nuts, but I love it. My brother made it. God bless you. Shout out to my granny. Uh, okay. Score of one to a hundred. Actual gay characters. Are there okay. gay Otho. Characters? Otho is definitely gay. Oh, yeah. Otho. Otho. Loved, yeah. He's also, great. Otho, to me as a child, I remember seeing Otho as a kid and thinking he was awesome. Yeah. I loved he's Otho. Really I still think he is. Yeah, I thought he yeah. was so pretty great. He's he's like doesn't give a shit. <laughs> he's just like <laughs> let's remake this whole house. It's garbage. He has a lot. Yeah. I was watching with my boyfriend. and He pointed out, like Otho even at the end like he has a lot of power. He's never denigrated for his sexuality. Mm-hmm. Not at all. You know he's never he's I like never, yeah because I don't even think of the it. Controlling the situation a lot. Like he steals right, the he book. runs he steals the book. He runs the seance. <laughs> yes, he brings them back from the dead to the more dead. He's funny. <laughs> the best uh-huh. part of that too is what's because his punishment from Beetlejuice at the end was they put him in a bad suit and then he's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you can reach out to the guest Nicole Thurman at N-I-C-C-O-L-E T-H-U-R-M-A-N you can find Two Old Queens on Instagram and Twitter under at Two Old Queens that's T-W-O-O-L-D-Q-U-E-E-N-S you can find Mark Rennie at M-A-R-K-R-E-N-N-I-E John Flynn at J-F-L-Y numeral nine numeral nine and you can email them at two old queens at gmail.com that is two old queens spelled the same way i did before of course you can find the show on pod bay Podtail, pod paradise iHeartRadio, and apple podcasts among other places pod paradise i haven't heard that one before this episode of Succotash is sponsored in part by TrumpPoetry.com, a chronological ode to a fake muse. Enjoy a rhyming spin on the news of the day every day, as well as over 500 archived daily verses thoroughly covering the White House, America, and the world with a sticky caramel coating that's impossible to remove. That's TrumPoetry.com. Everything you need to know in rhyming couplets. TrumpPoetry.com. Yes, it's TrumpPoetry.com. I tend to choose these fairly carefully. This one is from October 18th, 2019. It's number 461. Oh, Baltimore, you've lost a favored son. Sharecropper parents who were born of slaves, pursuing justice, not fearing making waves. But final challenges could not be outrun. Revealing truth and unifying factions, but never backing from a worthy fight. Put politics beneath his doing right. Solutions found in human interactions. To tweet attacks he sang a higher note. Did not engage in hateful rhetoric. But still he knew which ass deserved a kick. Sad he'll be missing the impeachment vote. The power of his faith his greatest shield. In heaven, still, this gentleman won't yield. Rest in peace, Elijah Eugene Cummings. January 18th, 1951, October 17th, 2019. And a second one. From October 6th, 2019, number 473. For his tactics, the man stands alone. Deflect, attack, cut to the bone. Counter sue, blame and lie. Don't explain or tell why. Like his mentor, that scumbag Roy Cohn. Right? Right. All right. Back into the clippage. From Erios Network, The Margaret Cho. The show description says, Through Margaret Cho's iconic work in comedy, fashion, music, and activism... 
She's developed deep, lasting friendships with, well, a bunch of famous people, while never losing her desire to search for and support the next big thing. On The Margaret Show, join her for a series of intimate interviews, a chat with a celebrity friend you already know or thought you did, or an up-and-coming artist you might not know but should. And the show description for Margaret Show's website article from July 10th, 2019 says, Have you heard? I have a podcast, The Margaret Show, on Erios. And then in parentheses, it says, A Badass Woman-Owned Podcast Network. Close parentheses. I really think it would be good for you to have my voice in your ear talking about all sorts of things while you clean your house or drive in soul-crushing traffic, says Margaret. Quote, It wouldn't just be me, but also my famous friends talking to you while you sort and fold and drive and bathe. Basically, we have a really interesting conversation, and in the end, we will all be better people with clean homes that we don't mind driving to and from. I am a big fan of all sorts of podcasts, and I thought it was about time to put my own hat into the ring. Each week, I interview people you know and people I think you should know if you don't already. Nice. Clip is from the episode from October 7th, 2019. It says, This week, Margaret talks with managing editor of Yahoo Music, Lindsay Parker. They talk about finding music before the internet and their love of Duran Duran's music videos. Then Margaret talks to Instagram sensation Ronald McDonkey about his genius celebrity collage massives. Now, I listened to the entire episode, and I really enjoyed the first part of it with Lindsay Parker. I do recommend listening to it. This clip contains an excerpt from Margaret's interview with Ronald McDonkey. Today, we talk to Ronald McDonkey, also known at Ronald McDonkey on Instagram. He's all over my Instagram, and he's amazing. Now, I met you on Instagram making amazing Photoshops. What do you call, is it Photoshop? I think it's art. It's digital art. It's, yeah. it's painting in a way. It's also photography yeah. in a way. They're, they're collages. Yeah. Yeah. It's of like just twisted pop culture. People, there's certain people that kind of seem to come up a lot, like yeah. the Golden Girls. Yes, the Golden Girls. Well, Which my are, husband's in love with the Golden Girls. Well, so. they're all great. Yes. It's it's fun to put them in different scenarios, yeah? Yes. It's a great thing. I'm really happy doing it. It makes me laugh all the time. I really laugh, too. And it, it's a great thing to see, like, the juxtaposition is what's so funny, because mm-hmm. you'll take something like... You know, the image of something that you know, and then it, you'll marry it with another image that is completely outside of yeah. the realm of, like, what's happening. And it's, yeah. it really is funny. It is funny. I, I swear I'm laughing all the time. I, mm-hmm. There's so many, so many things you can do, you know? Yeah. It's endless. Yeah. There's no process to it. Like, I just do it, you know? It's mm-hmm. just, I, I don't actually think about it when I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. It just happens. Yeah. You know? There's, like, I don't know, my iPad has, like, 40,000 photos, and I just kind mm-hmm. of... Just I'm cleaning up things and looking at things, and it's just something comes to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's cool, though. But, the, yeah, it's just like you said, it's just a weird juxtaposition that actually sometimes really works. Works so well. Yeah, sometimes not so well, but still it makes you think. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It always is really entertaining, and it's kind of like you think about, like, the different ways for somebody to take a photograph. And, like, actually it's limited. Yeah. If you think about there's only really – a few different postures that people really take pictures <laughs> yeah. in. Yes. And then, so if you maybe cross-reference those with all of the images that are out there yeah, in the yeah. world, yeah. you can really like, actually, it's it's really funny. Yeah, it is funny. And like the Golden Girls, you'll never see them another way except for, you right. know. It's, yeah, I, I just love the idea of seeing something totally different, you mm-hmm. know, like, like Marilyn Monroe said, you know, mm-hmm. you'll never see another live photo of her, you right, know. Right, right. Um, or a new photo shoot or whatever, mm-hmm. unless they, you know. 
but it's cool to put her in a, you know, not necessarily her, but something like that into a strange scenario, yeah. you know? Like, yeah, the images, especially, yeah, of there's certain people are finite, like what, whether it's the Golden Girls or Marilyn Monroe or, yeah. or, you know, somebody who's dead. Yes. Then it's like finite or, or capturing a certain age of somebody like Honey Boo Boo. Honey Boo Boo. <laughs> something like June. that. Yeah, or Mama June. Yeah. And then putting them into a context that is like, totally out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, but it could happen. Yeah, it could happen. It could happen in another dimension, mm-hmm. another reality, you know? Mm-hmm. I constantly find myself thinking about, you know, silly things like that. Yeah. It never really, you know, if I do think about what I want to do, it never turns out the way I want it to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. It's almost like, it's like intuitively, like you get, you just sort of feel it and like you just start making it and then it happens. Yeah. What was the first one that you ever did? I, I think it was Jared Leto. Oh, yeah. okay. I put him in like a jockstrap. Oh, cute. <laughs> it was cute. It actually was really cute. I don't know. I don't... I think I think it was Madonna, actually, the first one that actually reposted my art. Mm-hmm. But she didn't, you know, it was it was a strange situation because it, I think it... What is it? Viral? Yeah. It mm-hmm. went viral and it even made the news, you know? Oh, wow. Yeah. It was like Madonna post a flashback selfie of herself laying in a bathtub full of donuts. <laughs> I'm like, really? Like, uh-huh. and, but it's interesting that it, you know, that people actually thought that it might be real. Right. You know? Right. It, that's sort of like the danger of deep fakes that yeah. people are yeah, yeah. upset about. Like, oh, th- what could happen? Yes. You know, but it's like, well, you know, we've had it with, with stuff like this, with like Photoshop. You could be able to sort of like to do that. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, I, I really would have a hard time thinking that Madonna would ever lay in a bed of donuts or a, a bathtub full of donuts. I re-looked at, I re-looked at that recently mm-hmm. and it does kind of look real. Like it looks real. Yeah. Like she might, she might do that. Yeah. Just, you know, for an <laughs> ironic purpose or whatever. Like yeah. I don't even think Madonna's ever eaten a donut. <laughs> Probably not. I have a really hard time thinking that. Although during the truth or dare period. She did eat an awful lot of uh, Mike and Ike's and hot tamales. How do you know that? Well, if you're watching the movie, <laughs> you see the packages, and also she's picking it out of her teeth a lot. Really? It seems huh. to be that she, I do remember that she was eating a lot, maybe Lemonheads. The Margaret Show is an Erios production. Its theme music is by Garrison Starr. So you can contact the show, margaret at erios.net, that is M-A-R-G-A-R-E-T at E-A-R-I-O-S dot N-E-T. And then you can go to erios.net, same spelling as before, and margaretcho.com, also same spelling as before. You can reach out to Margaret Cho on Twitter at M-A-R-G-A-R-E-T-C-H-O and Ronald McDonkey on Twitter at R-O-N-A-L-D-M-C-D-O-N-K-E-Y. He's also on Instagram, though, and that's where you can see his collages. So I recommend you follow him both places, or if you just really want to see his collages, you can go to Instagram. You can also find The Margaret Show through iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, any place where fine podcasts are grown, uh, processed, and eaten. Our next soundcast clip is from Athletico Mince, from Bob Mortimer and Antti Dawson. And this was recommended to me by Davian Dent of the soundcast Strange Times and the Bitter Sound. Its show description reads, Bob Mortimer and Andy Dawson's podcast, Brass Hands, Blue Drink, and more. It's not really about football. Do you know what I mean? Let me try that again. Brass hands, blue drink, and more. Not really about football, do you know what I mean? Okay, yeah, I like that better. Anyway, uh, this clip is from the show from July 1st, 2019. It's number 85. The show title is Excellent Humor, and the episode description says, Peter makes a hospital visit. Mark invites Steve round. We discuss biscuit etiquette. Roy launches a new game. Uh, D-Y-C-H-E, Dyke. 
motivates, and there's new crime files. Uh, would you like a little bit of Scouse, or would you like a little bit of uh, John Chalice for Body Fools and Horses? I'll take John Chalice, please. Marlene! <laughs> very good. Can I have the Scouse, or is that now unavailable? Um, now you can have the Scouse, I suppose. Go on, then. Caroline under the Anfield lights. Very good. There you are. I mean, I'll always prefer only foals. Yeah. You know, I'm a knocking I might on not bit. offer you the choice again, but there you are, that's it then. Can I thank you for your recommendation of that diving show? Diving movie? I watched it, yeah, it was a good. Oh, he's fantastic. I was only told that someone someone said it was good. Do you know what it's called? Forgot. I couldn't remember. Is it Life for a Breath or Breath Underwater? Was it, was or... it BBC iPlayer, was it? No, I, I didn't see it there. I saw it on Netflix, I think. Definitely Netflix. Life near death, breathing life. Anyway, it's absolutely terrific. Last so, breath. Last breath. Just on a quick the look there while say. we're chatting. Uh, is that Roy Hudson outside there? Oh, shit, it is. It's Roy, yeah. All oh, right. I'll tell you what. I'll go and let him in. See what Thank you. Up, so. Ooh, there right. Hey, Roy. Come in. Hey, Roy. Thank you. Thank you. I see you've gained some weight, you lumbering little oaf. Oh, yeah. All right, right, Roy. There's no need for that. Come on. Oh, yeah. You want someone's work, do you, granddad? All right, all right. What have, what have you been up to since the season ended then, Roy? Oh, planning, mainly. This time of year is about the development and execution of plans for my future. It's something in which I excel. Well, right, I see. What, the planning shape of your squad, new signings, that kind of thing? No, I'm on the brink of launching a brand-new tabletop military strategy game with a medieval fantasy theme. Well, we're honest, uh, right? It sounds a little bit like Warhammer. No, it's nothing like that. For one thing, the name is completely different. Oh, yeah, what's it called? Royhammer. So, Roy Ham... Roy... Royhammer. 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 Roy Hammer. It's not hard. Roy Hammer. Oh. Say it. Okay. Roy Hammer. Yeah. You say tabletop uh, military game, fantasy, medieval fantasy thing, but isn't that's what Warhammer is, isn't it? No, this is a totally different and unique and better game. The other game, the name of which I refuse to say. Warhammer. Whatever. That game is usually played on a flat six foot by four foot surface. My game, Roy Hammer. Roy Hammer. Roy Hammer. Roy Hammer. Is, is played on a flat seven foot by five foot surface. So I think you'll agree the two games bear no resemblance to each other whatsoever. Oh, all right, Roy. So what about the armies in Roy Hammer? What are they called? They're called the Red Devils, the Cockney Pricks. The scarcers, the foreigners, and miscellaneous assholes. All right, okay. Are they all like? Are they good? Are all good or all evil? Evil, all of them, pure evil. There's only one good army in Warhammer. That's the Zaha Warriors. Ah, I named after your player, uh, Wilfred Sahar, I assume. Uh, might be, yeah, might be. Uh, hang on, is this whole right Warhammer thing? Warhammer. Yeah, all right. Is it just um, an elaborate r- r- ruse, ruse to try and persuade Zahar not to leave Palace this summer? A ruse? A ruse? I don't know what you mean. Come on, right, it is, isn't it? You don't want Zahar to sign for another club, so you've come up with a new game named specially after him. Oh, maybe it's named after me, not after him. The army's named after him. You've been paying attention. But, uh, yeah, yeah, well, all right, I wish you the very best of luck with it, Roy, I suppose I should say that. I don't care about your wishes. You cannot control me. I've had enough of this. Your ruse accusation was a step in the wrong direction. I'm off. Hold on. Uh, ruse. 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 Ruse, yeah. Anyway, 
So try to placate me. I'm going. All right. See you around, Roy. Roy Hammer. Roy Hammer. So? Can't say that taken off, can you? Roy Hammer. He's going round all the stations, isn't he? Probably. I'm probably trying no, to he's popped it. in here. Is this yeah. a station now? It's clearly the same game, isn't it? Yeah. You can find Bob Mortimer on Twitter at RealBobMortimer. That is R-E-A-L-B-O-B-M-O-R-T-I-M-E-R. Andy Dawson at ProfanitySwan. It's P-R-O-F-A-N-I-T-Y-S-W-A-N. The show can be reached at Athletico Mince. That is capital A-T-H-L-E-T-I-C-O, capital M-I-N-C-E. And you can also find it on iTunes, SoundClass, and ACAST. That is capital A-C-A-S-T. And, of course, you can go to www.athleticomince.com. A-T-H-L-E-T-I-C-O-M-I-N-C-E dot com. And, finally, it's How Did This Get Played? From Earwolf. The show description says, Heather Ann Campbell and Nick Weiger love video games. Together, they're playing the very worst and weirdest games ever made with their funniest friends to get down to this fundamental question, how did this get played? Finally, another show about video games that I can get into. And I have listened to pretty much every episode of this show. The clip is from the episode from August 11th, 2019, called Night Trap with Christine Nengel. And in the episode description, Christine Nengel, from The Break with Michelle Wolf joins Nick and Heather to discuss controversial 90s FMV game, Night Trap. Night Trap. They talk about sleepovers, how the game's controversial nature led to a U.S. Senate hearing, real ghosts, and more. Now, I chose this clip because I remember playing Night Trap. I think a friend of mine had it for the Turbo Graphics, I believe it was. Um, I think. I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sure on that. You know, actually now it might have been like a Sega Saturn that got rented. I don't know. Either way, um, I'm sure I would enjoy playing this now. I don't think I could get into the spirit of it at the time. Although, you know, I'm not sure. I just really don't remember. I do remember being fascinated by the idea of it. I remember thinking it was really cool that Dana Plato from Different Strokes was in it. Rest in peace. Um, so, yeah. Here's a clip. Guys, can I read the lyrics to the Night Trap please. song, please? Yes. <clears throat> can I, I wish we had, like... Maybe, I have the song. Maybe can we play that, a little more of the song? Yeah. The song's a banger. I wonder if there's a place you could karaoke this. To, to booze. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a sound alike to Lionel Richie's All Night Long. It's because yeah. it's elements in common. It's a great song. Night trap. <laughs> Night trap. <laughs> Night trap. But they are lip syncing this song yeah. at a party. It, the weird. The world is insane. Yeah. They know. They know that Night Trap. This. This is like a hit song. Yeah. In their world. But it's also a product. Imagine right. if like Coca Cola was somebody's favorite song. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's this enough. show yeah. was on before Night Court. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were trapping everybody. You get caught in a trap, and right. then you end up in Night Court. They they warn the song warns the singers, "Watch out behind you. Yes, that boy will find you." Right. <laughs> Jeez, it's in the song. 
the, there are augers in the house, <laughs> and they have weird trash pickup weapons that they're going to use to squeeze your necks. Also, what do you think of the lyric, thoughts are down when darkness falls? I mean, that's kind of my internal monologue. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of beautiful. Yeah. Oh, I was thinking about uh, the horniness aspect of this. Yeah. And, like, it does feel like, I think, you know, I don't know what age group this is geared towards, but it's definitely geared towards guys. Um and I think it's like when guy when when guys watch these movies um, where there's like teenagers that are in danger, they yeah. probably like, there's probably especially like younger guys like like a, I would have saved her, like, right? I could have done that, like I would have been like it's like a fantasy of like being able to save this girl and then she like is in love with you or whatever. And right. this lets you play that out where it's like a girl looking to you and be like you have to save us, right? And you're able to, and she's like especially later when there's a a teen girl in a negligee or whatever. Yes. It's like, you're like, I, I can help her. I can help her. And it, it allows like that kind of fantasy play. Which- well, the end game is, which is uh, when, when Kelly is the final girl and it, it's like kind of like a, it, it is like what, what you're saying. It's like the, uh, a, a man being able to insert himself into a horror trope where it's like, she, instead of being able to fend off these, the Martins by herself, mm-hmm. she turns to you and is like, help me. And then you have to trigger traps to save her. Even though she has a gun. Even though, yeah, even though she is supposed <laughs> to be a highly trained member of the scat force. Um, do you, uh, uh, so they, so the girls go upstairs after the dance party. They see an what they they see an auger for the first time. But Sarah, the daughter, is Martin, the daughter assumes them uh, assures them that it's nothing. And then another scat agent shows up. This is Agent Collins, the token black agent, and he boy is not given <laughs> no. a fun task here. Um, can we play a, a Matt? Can we play a little bit of first of of Agent Collins' entrance? Yes. Here we go. This is how he gets into the house. To help out. Nothing, Chief. Just no heroics, huh? Count on it. I think we should give him the old Jamaican number, aren't you? And out. All right, we can stop it there. And then we can skip ahead to what he means by the old Jamaican number. He is dressed in a loud print shirt and a newsboy cap. Here he comes. Hello, 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 hello. So sorry to disturb you like this. Oh, so sorry no. to budge in. But I was wondering if uh, maybe you had seen me board. Your boots. Me board. Board. Oh. <laughs> He's wearing a shirt that has pies on it. I was going to say his outfit's on point. <laughs> he looks cool. He looks great. Uh, he Collins looks great. But this is, yeah, this the is unfortunate. Is not the issue. Yeah. End this, please. End this. <laughs> not a fun ask, a- acting task for that guy. No, that's He also awful. uses the word, j- are you jiving me later? Oh, yeah, oh, later yeah. he does, yeah. Yeah. There's a, he was mean, probably at where, like was at the Steppenwolf Theater or something yes. like that. And it's like, oh, hey, with the Sega CD game, I right, fuck it, I'll do it. Not, not even he t- he filmed this on film for Hasbro. Oh, that's right. Oh yeah, <laughs> this was going to be huge. It wasn't yeah. even a video game. Right. They, they were like inventing a VHS technology. Right. So he was like, oh, I gotta I gotta take this gig. <laughs> By the way, speaking of Hasbro, little little factoid about the augers. The reason they even exist is that they were originally just vampires, which is like like a lot more clear. But Hasbro was worried about that being too dark, so it forced them to change it. Um, and I think it actually made it. More like darker, right? Yeah, when they explain what the augers are, that's that's super dark, right? They're like half vampires. They're like half human, half vampires who have been drained of most of their blood, and so they're just trying to survive. And their skin has like fallen off. Yeah, their or skin has fallen yeah. off. Yeah, so that's why they have to be covered in in this this uh, uh, this uh, Metal Gear Solid cosplay. In all um, of my playthroughs, I never heard what the augers were. Right. Well, this is the thing. 
again, another frustration in this game, to get the story, you really just have to watch a video of the story elements. Mm, Because if you try to play the game and pick up the story as you go, I mean, I don't know how many playthroughs you'd have to do successfully to actually get enough of the cutscenes to piece it all together. So you can reach the guest, Christine Nengel, at uh, Nenglish on Twitter. That is N-A-N-G-L-I-S-H. Heather N. Campbell can be reached at H-E-A-T-H-E-R-C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L. Nick Weiger can be reached at N-I-C-K-W-I-G-E-R. And the show can be reached at H-D-T-G-P-Pod. I should say that it is capital H, capital D, capital T, capital G, capital P, small p, O-D. How did this get played, Pod? It's actually H-G. <laughs> H-D-T-G-P-Pod. P-Pod. And, of course, you can find them on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, uh, probably Podbay, and Earwolf. Well, there it is. Another show gone, and here we are together at the end of it. Will you be here at the end of show 200 to say goodbye to us for a while? Tweet us at Succotash Show with your answer. That is S-U-C-C-O-T-A-S-H-S-H-O-W. I'm serious. Also, seriously, anything can happen between now and episode 200. We could get a real paying sponsor, for instance. One could dream. In the meantime, hug your loved ones, because as Kanye West and Adam Levine said, nothing's ever promised tomorrow today. And I heard him say, nothing's ever promised tomorrow today, but we'll find a way. And nothing lasts forever, but be honest, babe. It hurts, but it may be the only way. So until the next episode, this has been Tyson Saner asking on behalf of Mark Hershon, Bill Haywatt, Joe Paulino, Will Durst, and Scott Carvey. If you enjoy this program, and the ones that came before it, please share it with others. Perhaps by way of leaving a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, or Stitcher, or anywhere you can leave a review would be appreciated. Also, retweeting our links on Twitter is a big help, and would be much appreciated. Those are just some of the ways you can show your support of us in a way that doesn't cost you a dime. And it's at least partially what we mean when we ask you to please pass the Succotash. You've been listening to Succotash Clips, the comedy soundcast soundcast with your host, Tyson Saner. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, on SoundCloud, on YouTube, on Donder, on Blitzen, on iHeartRadio, and on... <laughs> a laughable app. You can hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Email us at TysonSaner at SuccotashShow.com. Or call into the Suckatash hotline at our toll or call number 818-921-7212. That number again is 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcasts directly to us by using our direct upload link at itail.com slash u slash succotash. Production of Succotash is overseen by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, hosted by Tyson Saner. Our executive producer is Mark Hershon. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please pass the succotash. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>